Hi, I'm Laura Palatin. Welcome to the Practically Spiritual Show, where I share strategies for breaking restrictive religious and cultural indoctrination, and then we create our own personal spiritual path. So in this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be exploring the question, what is normal? I think it's a question worth exploring. If we're going to examine our lives, let go of what doesn't work for us, seek out better practices, and just generally be ever-evolving people, we really have to continually reevaluate what we consider normal. And is normal something that's even attainable? Is it a goal worth striving for? So I'm going to play the theme song, and then we'll consider together, in a world simultaneously full of wonder and joy, chaos and fear, is normal even real? And is it a state we wish to reach? Welcome to the Practically Spiritual Show. Together we will learn, laugh, and grow. Break indoctrination. Rise above our nation. And so... Welcome to the Practically Spiritual Show. For our purposes, we can use the Oxford definition of normal, which is conforming to a standard usual, typical, or expected. Sounds all right, doesn't it? I mean, conforming may not be our favorite word, right? But it's not inherently bad unless... Unless conforming to someone else's version of normal means we must sacrifice who we are. And that's where the problem comes in, right? Whose idea of usual and typical are we going to adhere to? One of the ways different ideas of normal becomes really challenging is in relationships. When I got married, my husband and I differed greatly in many different areas. There was a 15-year age gap between us, and he definitely felt that his seniority on the planet gave him an advantage and that I should lean into his version of normal. That's why I've told my adult children that finding a person that agrees with you on many of the fundamental principles of normal will make for a much smoother relationship. At any rate, one of our recurring disagreements was over brushing teeth. I know, Sounds like a stupid thing to argue about, <laughs> and uh, and it was. He used to get really irritated at me for brushing my teeth before bed. He believed that was a routine that only children should practice. For whatever reason, my brushing my teeth before bed just drove him nuts. He followed me into the bathroom and berated me for the whole 20 years we were married. I used to sneak into the bathroom alone and try to do it secretly. Yeah, I know. He was controlling in retrospect. At the time, though, it just felt like a stupid disagreement. Our last actual fight was about this, but it was over something that stupid, something that I considered normal and he considered weird and definitely not important enough to do on a regular basis. So a big part of normal is recognizing that it's different for every single person, right? Not needing anyone to agree with us on what's normal is extraordinarily freeing. The idea of normal, what is normal, what is not, is very subjective. 
Do you check your tires and oil before leaving on a car trip? Yes. Then that's normal for you. It may not be normal for somebody else. Do you drink coffee, tea, take a sweater if you plan to be out after dark, even if it's been warm all day? Do you strive to drink a certain amount of water? Do pets sleep in the bed with you? Do you turn on your turn signal for a turn, even if there's no one behind you? All of these are examples of things that we take for granted because it's so normal for some of us and can seem pretty weird to other people. We can even get really invested in what's normal for us. Normal is that groove we've worn into our lives that feels safe and predictable. When other people disagree with our version of normal, we can actually feel threatened. I propose we put effort into allowing other people to have their normal without applying their standards to us at all. So if someone tells us, well, that's not normal. All right. I don't feel any need to adhere to your idea of normal. So yeah, that's fine. My youngest son has always been interested in the many different ways people live their lives. He has friends from all strata of society. He sees people as people. He rarely judges anyone by their circumstances. This isn't anything he learned. This is just how he's wired. He has a knack for seeing the heart of people. It's funny because even as a child, he had friends of all ages. One of his first real friends he made in elementary school was a woman who volunteered at the school to run the, the school garden. I think he ate enough beets that year to last him a lifetime. Through him, I've become aware of my own biases about, quote, normal life, what I was indoctrinated to believe growing up. Many of those ingrained ideas of normal my son has helped me to break. Turns out many of the rules I learned were not true for everyone. And I get to decide what rules are true for me, just as everyone else gets to decide what rules are right for them. Evaluating, reevaluating, and then evaluating again is how we move past our indoctrination. As we separate out from our lives what works for us and what doesn't, I like to think of it as a winnowing process. So winnowing is an ancient art of separating out the germ or seed from the plant that it was grown within, right? So if you have um, wheat, for example, you only want the germ of the wheat to make your bread, but it grows in this chaff. It grows in a little, um, little pocket. And in order to separate the part we can eat from the part that we cannot eat, historically, the seed would be rubbed against itself. Like So you just rub the seeds together and then throw it up in the air and blow on it or throw it up in a breeze. And the chaff or that grass-like part just gets carried away. And if you've ever seen it done, of course, I've not seen it in real life. I've only seen it in videos and, and film. It's a very elegant process. And sometimes, let's face it, <laughs> separating out what doesn't work for us from what does is inelegant at best. However, I like the image of that, of just tossing up in the air these ideas and these principles and these hard-taught lessons, blowing away what doesn't work with the wind or with your breath, and then catching that kernel of goodness that we want to hold on to for our lives. Just like the chaff being separated from the grain, 
We can separate all these ideas and teachings that were put upon us growing up and get down to the very core of our being. We can release judgment that brings suffering and exist as pure beings. This is in no way a one-and-done process. I really believe it's a lifelong endeavor because even as we go through our lives, right, we, we learn about ourselves more. We become aware of prejudices that we have that we were not even aware of. That, that if somebody asked you straight out, hey, what do you think about this? You'd have to actually stop and think about it. You'd have to become really aware of your own biases. I've had the personal experience of feeling like I was doing pretty good spiritually. You know, I've made a lot of progress. I've let go of a lot of stuff that I did not need that was harmful to me. And then I will just be forced to recognize a bias that I have that is not mine. An idea that was handed down to me that was drilled into my head and has nothing to do with what I truly believe. It's really important to be open to that and to recognize that there is no endpoint. And that's part of the beauty of it, that we can be continually letting go of what doesn't work for us, especially as it affects our ability to free ourselves of judgment of others. Yes, our idea of normal is continually evolving. When we experienced a worldwide pandemic in 2020, we had to suddenly change a lot about our lives. Many people resisted this. There were widespread revolts to the precautions required to protect our medically vulnerable citizens. Historically, we can see that during the last big pandemic in America, the Spanish flu, people reacted similarly. People don't like to have their normal challenged. We often heard, we are entering a new normal. <laughs> no matter how hard people fought it, we were establishing new rules. We were entering a new normal. The abrupt and outwardly imposed nature of the pandemic rules caused a lot of people to resist them, despite the compassionate origin of the rules. But that's human nature, right? Have you ever known somebody that was about to break up with their significant other and like all you heard about was how much they hated that person. Everything they did drove them crazy. They just couldn't wait to break up, but they couldn't come up with the words to use, blah, blah, blah. You, you, you've been there. I've been there more than once. And then that other person, whether they suspect that the breakup is coming or they've got their own reasons, they break up with your friend that's been complaining, right? And then your friend that's been complaining just falls apart like, that was the love of my life and what am I going to do now? We do not like having the power to decide things taken away from us. And that's kind of what happened during the 2020 pandemic. It's just a miserable feeling to know that you don't get to make all the decisions in life. We like thinking we're in control. Being told to wear masks and that people couldn't gather together drove people crazy. There were secret weddings and celebrations with family and friends because people just couldn't handle being told no. Those gatherings often resulted in unnecessary sickness and sometimes death. Even like the old people and the weak people and the vulnerable people in these families were dying and there were still proud of their decision not to follow the rules. I never even heard, did you a super spreader event? It, was that something that was invented during the pandemic? Or is that just something that, that already existed, but we'd never heard of it? Now it's a normal part of our vernacular. 
Many of us were taught that like good people go to church on Sunday mornings, right? Other families celebrated their religion on Saturday. In my father's house, Sunday meant football games. Monday morning is for work and school, right? Not if you're a nurse that just got off a long shift. Monday morning is for sleeping. These are just some examples of conditioning that we've received throughout our lives. One of the most egregious examples of strict cultural norms is the idea of what a family should look like. I'm not going to take a deep dive here. Suffice to say that the idea of a man leading a household of subordinate women and children is not a normal I could ever imagine adhering to again. For a brief period in my childhood, my mother was the head of my household. She remarried, and my stepdad was a really neat guy. And I'm not sorry for a moment that I got the experience of being his daughter. However, I just wish my mom had felt empowered to live the life she wanted to live because I have no idea what she wanted. And and I got to tell you, I don't think she did either. There was no question. When my dad decided he did not want to live in our family anymore, and he divorced my mother, I mean, she was a Catholic, and she was kicked out of her church because her husband decided he wanted to uh, to have a different wife. So my mom got kicked out of her church, a church she was active in and enjoyed. And the fact that she just didn't even have the choice. I mean, she was successful. She was uh, paying the bills. She actually had just bought a house when she decided to get remarried after just three years of being on her own. I am just so impressed with what she was able to achieve because we're talking 1969, 1970. There's a lot of places in the country where women couldn't even rent apartments as a divorced woman at that time. Fortunately, we were in California, and there were rules protecting um, single women, no matter what their marital status, renting a home, uh, purchasing a home. So she was able to do that because we were in California. I hope women feel supported in having the lives that they want and not feeling like they need to adhere to this idea of the strict patriarchy. We can do so much better as humans, as people, when we let go of these norms and lovingly co-create families that actually support every member. I wrote a song called, We All Lead, We All Follow. I wrote it about my secret community of wise women because I invented the community, right? So I could decide that. Um, The way the hierarchy works is that there isn't one. It's a cooperative community. And people who have a certain expertise naturally step to the forefront when an issue comes up or when an event needs to be planned. Rather than having somebody that's elected or assigned that holds power, the whole community holds power. We all lead. We all follow. This is the family structure I strive to achieve. There's no reason to discard every tradition, every norm, as useless or worse. What I'm suggesting is that we carefully evaluate what we've been taught and decide what is for us, and at the same time recognize that everyone else is doing the same thing, you know, to a degree. Release what no longer serves, trust other people to do the same, and stop worrying about what's normal for anyone. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Practically Spiritual Show. I hope you enjoyed it and found something of value for yourself. 
I make it really easy to reach out to me. I have a website for the show, thepracticallyspiritualshow.com, all run together, and a website just for me and my artsy stuff, uh, laurapalatin.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, I'd love to hear from you if you have an idea for the show. I'm also working on a newsletter on Substack. I'm just still learning about Substack, but it looks like it could be a really cool way to create a community of supportive people. If that sounds like something that you're into, you can either send me your email through social media or go to one of the websites and send it that way. Or you can sign up on Substack directly. Just look for Laura Palatin. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, there really is no them. There is only us. Thanks for listening to the Practically Spiritual Show. I mean it. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. It means so much to me. I love you. See you next time. Bye-bye.